Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. This morning, um, we're going to continue in our study of the book of Philippians. And uh, it goes right along with what we're talking about, right along with what God's doing uh, in our midst here today. And so um, thrilled to be able to share this with you and interested to see how God's going to work in us uh, through his word. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you starting in verse 19. Um, in the section I'm gonna, we're going to do today is about Timothy, and then the next section we're going to look at is Epaphroditus, um, both examples of servants of, the, uh, of our God. Verse 19 says this, I, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore uh, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. God, we ask your blessing on your word and hear the sirens. We don't know what goes on. And Lord, we just always want to trust you in our community and uh, realize that you have brought us into community and fellowship with one another. God, we, uh, we truly need one another more than we know. And so, Lord, uh, unite our hearts together as we look to your word, as we trust in your gospel, as we seek your son, Jesus, and are thankful for the relationship we, we have with you, our Heavenly Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, we're uh, going to go through uh, quite a few points, and uh, I'll go quickly. They're brief points for the most part. But uh, what we're looking at this morning is a portrait uh, of a servant of God. What does it look like? And as we look at this passage, we realize that he is, uh, the, the, the letter to the church at Philippi was real simple. It was, some would say it was a thank you letter for the gift that they had given uh, to Paul. They had sent money to him to support him in his time of arrest and imprisonment. And so uh, there's, there's a kind of missionary letter in this. There's this idea that, hey, we're telling you what's going on. Uh, this isn't just a missionary letter because it's written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, God, uh, Holy Spirit inspired the Word of God uh, that it would be perfect and perfect for us. And so uh, it wasn't just a letter, thank you, but it was also addressing uh, the need for encouragement for them, but also addressing maybe problems that were happening in the church. And uh, in chapter two, we hear over and over again this idea of unity, that we would come together and be the church that he wants us to be. Uh, this morning, as I think about, as I think about what uh, the church at Philippi was, it was a local church. It was a local church. Um, we could uh, rename 
um, Bear Valley Church to the church at Bear Valley, right? Uh, Bear Valley Church, that's all we are. We're, we're a church in a place uh, called to reach a community. Obviously, we have cars now, and we spread out a little bit more, and we can drive further distances. But it's the idea that we're in uh, Tehachapi or Kern County, Kern County. You know, the greatest place in California, Kern County. Um, beach is a little rough, but, uh, you know, it's hard to find a good beach in Kern County. Uh, but, you know, th- this is where we are. This is where we are. And, and Philippi, there was a church there. Uh, we speculate that the church was 10 to 12 years old at this time. So it's a newer church. And Paul had already been there, I think, twice that he had come and Timothy was part of that to some degree. They had come, they shared the gospel, and a group gathered there of believers in Jesus Christ. And this is who he was writing to. He identifies Timothy, and they would have known Timothy. And uh, Timothy's in verse 1. This is Paul and Timothy. Um, And so there was some partnership that he was helping him in Rome. and. Later on, uh, even in your Bible, but later on in history as well, Paul wrote to Timothy as he was the pastor in Ephesus. Uh, These two letters, these letters, uh, a beginning letter to this young pastor, and then his last, like as an older man, giving his last hurrah or or last words to Timothy as he was uh, facing death, Paul was later in life. This is who Timothy was. And And I want to encourage you that this morning, it's all about a portrait of what it means to be a servant of God, a servant of God. What I I described to you earlier as being uh, that this is our mission field, that Tehachapi is our place. I want to give you a picture, a picture of Timothy, of what that looks like. And and I want to be clear. this is what God's called us to do. And what missions work is, it's just simply church ministry. It's church ministry. Um, are, are you involved in church ministry? And some of you are going, well, what do you mean by that? You mean, do I have a, a title at church? Do I have an office? Uh, do I have a Bible degree or a seminary degree? Am I in church ministry? What does that mean? I just want to tell you that that Jesus, when, when he was here, he said, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to be doing. He says, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church. And so what Jesus is doing is he's building his church. Uh, it's not just saving souls out there somewhere so that they can be out there, but he's gathering and forget the building. We're going to act like this is just a tent or a a weed patch in Bear Valley, okay? He's gathering people together. He's gathering them to be his church. And so if you're involved in that process of gathering people and being, you're in church ministry. Uh, I want to tell you that as I think about the needs of our community, our our schools and our our our, I don't want to say neighborhoods because we don't even know what neighborhoods really are in Tehachapi that well. We don't really, but this idea that people have, you know what they need? They need a church. They need a church. And when I say they need a church, they need, you know, 
their entrance into the church, believing in Jesus Christ, and then a fellowship of believers that will care and encourage for one another. I want to tell you, you can find all the information in the world on your phones, but you cannot find fellowship. It's what is happening here. Uh, I don't cheat like that all the time. And I really was, I was really going to go a different direction on the the, uh, surprise box. I was going to talk about not being able to make decisions and in life, you can't have everything. But he just said, they just go together. And so I was like, they go together. That goes with my message. We go together, right? We go together. It's better to be together. And I want to tell you, you, you know, as we look at what the church is, what the church is, it's being together. It's being together. And, and without being together, I want to tell you, there's desperate, desperate decisions and things that we can do wrong um, as we're outside of what God is doing. I haven't even gotten to my first point yet. Um, heavy hearted a little bit today. Um, if you look down at this passage, we're looking at a portrait of a servant of the Lord and the church and really what it is to be a part of church ministry. Um, the first thing I'd like to share with you is this, that uh, it's following uh, under, it's following under church leadership, following under church leadership. I know that sounds crazy what I just said right there because I'm the pastor uh, and some of you are you're getting all breaking out in a rash and stuff like that because you're going, is he going to be one of those pastors? Maybe. Um, uh but following church leadership, you think about this and, and the tone of this passage, what is Paul saying? I'm going to send you Timothy. I'm going to send you Timothy. My plan is to take Timothy and he's going to go and be with you because I told him to. Uh, picture yourself as Timothy right now. And I'm going to be the Apostle Paul. Hmm, pretty fun. Uh, there, I'm going to send you somewhere. I'm going to send you somewhere. Now, now Philippi, like you can study about what Philippi was in those days. And I don't think it was the worst town in that area. It might have been. I don't know. But uh, different towns and cities mean different things to different people. Let me, let me describe to you. Uh, Newport Beach. You ever into Newport Beach? Laguna Beach, Santa Barbara. Are you all happy inside right now? Mojave, Boron, right? Barstow. You know what you're doing right now? You're 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 ranking them, right? Please don't send me to Barstow, okay? Please don't leave me in Boron. You know, uh, you, you you see what I'm saying? Uh Timothy, Timothy was under the leadership of Paul. And Paul says, I, I, I'm, my, my plan is to send you to Philippi. To, there's no, and we don't know the whole conversation or how this all, gonna, the relationship, uh, whether Paul and Timothy were praying and uh, Paul said, would you be willing to go? Would you, would you go? Or, you know, do you like going to Philippi? Is Philippi this nice this time? Like, there's none of that. It's that he's under, under, God's leadership of him is the Apostle Paul. And, and there's this thing that, uh, if I can say this word, I know it sounds bad, 
Timothy was just a pawn. He was just a pawn. And, you know, you know what a pawn is, right? Some of your great chess players, you could wipe me out in two turns. Um, but it's the idea that it's the insignificant ones, right? They don't matter as much as the other ones. And, and that, that Timothy was under leadership. That he saw himself as insignificant, but his significance came from being part of the work. So you see him as under, uh, under leadership. Secondly, as we, we move on, um, and this is a minor point, but I think it's a good one. Uh, as you look at this, Paul recognized the importance of face-to-face. He realized the importance of face-to-face. And so some of you right now are going, well, why do you send Timothy? Because what I would do in our modern age, I would just, you know, do FaceTime, right? FaceTime with the church. And I'd pass the phone around and we could all look at each other and see each other. And that would be great. But Paul, what did he want to do? He wanted, first of all, he wanted to be there. He says, I, I want to come to you. I want to be with you. Uh, you see other places, I think it's in First and Second Thessalonians, where he says, face to face. He says it. I wanted to be with you face to face. But w- what he wanted was he knew that uh, he couldn't go. So he's like, I got to send somebody to go. I-, I can't help but think about this. I-, I forgot it in the first service. It wasn't in my notes. If you don't put it in your notes, it may not happen. And sometimes even then. Um, but uh, a few months from now, we're going to send uh, a small group of people, a small but significant group of people, uh, to Southeast Asia to go visit the Boyds. Uh, and and you, you look at, well, why? Well, why? What are they going to do? The number one thing that they're going to do is see the Boyds face to face. And there's this thing that goes on. And, and why? Um, you see it in the passage that he wanted to know of their well-being and vice versa. There, there was this well-being check that needed to be done face-to-face. And so he was going to send Timothy because he knew it was important to be face-to-face. Um, you grandparents know this, right? You know it, right? Sometimes you just got to see them, right? You got to see your grandkids, even if it's for five minutes. And maybe that's all you can handle, right? So some of you, I think it's really interesting. Like you're, you're like your grandparents live far, your grandkids live far away. And it takes you like three days to get there. And you stay two days because that's all you can handle. You love them and they're too much for you, but they're, they're too good too. And you just got to see them face to face. That's the way God intended. That's what he has made us for. And so he understood that ministry was meant to be done face to face. We can do it other ways. We can send texts and you should and emails and FaceTime's awesome. I love it. I love it. But ministry on an ongoing basis is meant to be done face to face. And sometimes that's the only thing that we'll do. By the way, this is a sub point. Why was he sending Timothy? He wanted to hear how they were doing well and report how he was doing well. I want to tell you, we're meant to be encouraged by one another. I want to be an encouragement. Um, 
It's not the only reason to do well and to walk with the Lord, but your life is meant to be an encouragement to others, even if they're not present in your everyday life. Let me explain. Uh, I may move away sometime. I'm not planning on it. I, you know, I, I, we're digging in deep. We're planting young trees that we hope to grow up to be big trees someday. We're not, but, but I may be away from you or you may be away from me. And you know what should happen in our absence of one another? Somebody's going to go and see you or see me and they're going to say, hey, I'm going to go back. And, and, and they're going to report, hey, how's Kevin doing? How, how are the Bozlers doing? And you know what should happen is the report should be accurate that says they're doing great. They're walking with the Lord. They're serving the Lord. And vice versa, as we hear of you, the, the, the response back is they're doing great. They're walking with the Lord. They're serving. They're serving more. They're encouraging more. Why? Because that's the intention. I want to tell you, the other is often true, isn't it? We spent some time in the last few weeks with some uh, some friends, and uh, they reported to us, and we we knew about the, some people that we had known that aren't doing well. And there's a heartbreak to that. There's a heaviness. There's a, a discouragement to that. We're not meant to be discouragement to one another. We're meant to be an encouragement. Uh, just the simple report that we're doing and walking with the Lord. Um, so that was like two points. Number two, okay. Uh, and then three, um, uniquely loyal. It's interesting what he says about Timothy. He says this, uh, verse 20, for I have no one like him. No one like him. He is unique. He's special. There's a, a loyalty there. And a, uh, the, the ministry that he's doing sets him apart. And I want to tell you that as we serve the Lord, as we stay focused, it sets us apart from everybody else. Um, And Timothy was one of those guys. And really what set him apart was he was busy doing the work of the Lord. Uh, He he goes on to describe it a little bit more. Number four, just he says, um, for I have no one like him who will genuinely who who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Um, there's a genuine love. Now, uh, as you think about life in the church, uh, it should be marked by genuine love that cares for one another. What happens, uh, what tends to happen, is that we uh, see our relationships with one another as having a limit, a limit. But as Timothy, one of the reasons that he was such a great servant, portrait of a servant, model, is that as Paul sent him, he said, I know he genuinely cares for you. He he cares about your well-being. He thinks about what's best for you. Which leads us to to my next point. And really, this is the the big point here. The rest are kind of breezing through. But um, Timothy was seeking Jesus, not self-seeking. He was seeking Jesus. And when I say seeking Jesus, he was seeking Jesus' agenda, his plan, his desires. If you look at the context in chapter 2, look up at verse 3. 
We go to verse 3. It says this, uh, do nothing from selfish ambition. Uh, it talks more, describes it in other ways, but the, the purpose there is, he says, don't let your agenda or the things that you pursue be based on what you want. Don't let that guide you. He calls them to that. If you look at verse 5, he moves on from there to say this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though is a form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Um, He moves from telling them, don't be selfish, to placing Jesus before them and saying, this is your life in him. He is both your example and your life. This is the new uh, This is the new deal for you. This is the new life. This is what it is to be a part of the church. It's to be like Jesus who emptied himself, who emptied himself, became a servant, became a servant, and even served, giving his life, not in a victorious, amazing way, but in a humiliating way of death on the cross. So he goes, uh, don't be selfish. Then he gives the example of Jesus. And then you look at verse 17. Paul says this. He says, even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. What does Paul do now? He says, first of all, don't be selfish. And then he says, like Jesus, Jesus, the, the ultimate example. And guess what? Verse 17, me too. I'm being poured out like like my life is uh, this is being spilled out, not in selfish ways, but for others, your faith. And now this morning we look at Timothy and he's the example. And we're going to look at Epaphroditus next week. If you look at uh, uh, what it says about Timothy, verse 21. God's word says this, for they all seek their own interests not those of Jesus Christ. This unique thing that that Timothy was, what separated him from others, made him this unique, loyal, genuine servant, is that he sought the will of Jesus. That that was his agenda. That as Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, Timothy says, I'd love to help. I'm all in. This is my desire as well. And so we see this, to, that we're called to give ourselves like Jesus did, like Paul did, like Timothy, and next week, Epaphroditus. I want to separate for you uh, the two things, the, two, the difference between Timothy and others. And maybe for you this morning, you'll say, this is maybe the hang-up to me serving and being a part of the work of God. What do most people do with their life? How do they make decisions? They ask this one question. What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? That's the main question that most of us ask when it comes to the issues of our life. What do I want? And then once we've decided what we want, 
We make a strategy and a plan to go get it, what we want. As we decide what we want and then we make a plan to go get it, chances are we run people over on our steps to getting what we want. Others pay a price. Uh, It's interesting, uh, when you're single, you don't know how selfish you are. Even if people are telling it to you. You don't know. And then you get married, and there's a, a little revelation that goes on about your own selfishness. And maybe we still don't see it, but the problem with doing what you want when you're married and then deciding how to get what you want when you're married is chances are you'll run over your spouse on the way to get that. And if you have kids, chances are you'll run over those kids too. And there'll be this, this picture that, that says, I, I just, and, and when you're confronted with it, you just say, it's just something I want. What's wrong with me getting what I want? And in your mind, when you run people over, even outside, many times it doesn't limit itself to your family members. They get to enjoy that selfishness, but also it's other people as well. Because we justify that kind of thinking by says, who cares? It's just getting what's best for me. It's just getting what I want. It had to happen. Let me expand this out a little bit. Sometimes as parents, we disguise it in being a good parent. Uh, It's just what's good for my family. I want to tell you, if something is good for your family and other families have to pay for it, that's selfish. It's selfish. If all you're thinking about is your family's well-being, that's selfish thinking. And this separated Timothy from others. The flip side of that. The positive side. What separated Timothy and really showed himself to be someone who was amazing and a, a servant of the Lord and doing ministry as it should be done. He says, for they they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. You see, uh, Jesus is doing something today. He's doing something. He's building his church. He's building his church, not this building or other buildings around. He's gathering people to himself. He's saving people and then uniting them in the ministry to reach the world, to encourage each other, to reach the world, and to await his coming. And so... This is what he's doing. And so Timothy got on board with that. He saw Jesus' interest and he goes, my interest too. I'm doing what Jesus is doing. Um, he, uh, um, he asked the question, who is he working on? And, and so, so as, as you can see this in his situation with Paul, he was there because of Paul. And maybe there were other people that he 
Timothy said, uh, you know, maybe God's got me here for Paul and these others that maybe are serving too. This is why he's got me here. And then Paul says, no, I need to send you to Philippi. And so Timothy goes, aha, yeah, Philippi, Philippi. Who is God working on? Those people in Philippi. And he's going to use me to do the work in the lives of those people in Philippi. This is what it is to have Jesus' interests. And now, like, this idea is, what is my role? What what does the Lord want me to do? Um, What is your role in the work of God? Sometimes that's hard to figure out. I want to tell you, I I know some things uh, with with absolute confidence that you're called, uh, if you're married, to be an encouragement to your spouse when it comes to the things of God and the work in His church. You're, you're called to do that. I'm confident of that. If you have kids, guess what? They're yours. You're number one. Your role is in reaching them with the gospel and then encouraging them through the, the heartaches of life to, to get on board to be part of this team He calls the church what Jesus is doing. I want to encourage you about something in thinking this through. You know, you're saying, what is God doing? Who's he working on? He's working on people, by the way. Some of us are, are big vision people, and we, we say, yeah, I think God's called me to reach all the people in this area who happen to be on drugs. And like, you have these grand vision. I'm going to start an organization, and we're going to do this, that, and the other thing. I want to tell you, God doesn't care about organizations. He doesn't care about them. He cares about people. And chances are, He's going to call you to specific people that you can know their names, that you can look them face to face, that that you can be a part of their lives, probably in this very community. I want to encourage you about something. And and if you can picture right now uh, that you're a builder, you're a builder, you're uh, a great... uh, you're in construction and you can build amazing houses. And you've built ha- amazing houses. You know how you can tell uh, if someone's in construction. You know, there some people, like when you see them, they show pictures of their grandkids. Uh, they show pictures of what they made, right? Look at what I did. Look at what I did. But, uh, but this isn't your job. You show up. You show up with your hammer in hand with your experience of what you've been able to do, uh, knowing plans and how to build things, but you show up with your hammer in hand, but now you're talking to Jesus. And you say, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. And you say, well, I got these plans. I I got this house. Well, this is what I want to do. Well, we're not ready for that yet. Well, this is what I did on that other house. That really doesn't matter here. Well, I got these great ideas and these plans that I have. Jesus says, I've got plans of my own. I don't need your plans. You don't need my plans? No, I don't need your plans. Well, I'm pretty good with a hammer. I might need you to use a shovel. I'm a hammer guy. Not today, you're not. You're a shovel guy. Think about that. This picture of two different plans. Two different ideas, two different backgrounds, and it's giving up yours 
that you might partner with Jesus. Think about that. You say, that sounds uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. It's good for you and it's good for me. So where does this leave us? Well, it leaves us with Jesus' schedule. He decides the schedule. Some of us like to make schedules and ideas and plans and goals and all that stuff. And you know what's going to happen with those? Some of those might come, come about. Those might be exactly what Jesus is doing and He wants you to do them. And a bunch of other times, He's going to mess up your plans. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. But He messes up your plans. He draws you away. It's going to be Jesus' schedule. It's going to be Jesus' money. You know, you can't have everything, right? There's choices to be made. Jesus' money, Jesus' energy. It's interesting. Uh, some of us are, are, are limited by our energy, right? We can't do everything. Or some of you say, yeah, oh yeah, I can. Yeah, you're crash and burn people, right? You go and you go and you go and then boom. And then I visit you in the hospital. I'll come visit too. Um, but this idea, we're limited by energy, but it, it's Jesus' energy. It's His. It's for Him to decide what I do and what I don't do. And lastly, I'd just say it this. It's Jesus' agenda. Like, we, we, uh, we're we good at uh, trying to manipulate and get what we want and, like, try to get people on board to doing what we want so that in the end they, they help us accomplish what we want to do. I want to tell you that that's your agenda, what we're looking at right now is Jesus' agenda. How do I fit into His, what He is doing? Let me show you how this plays out. This might be uncomfortable. How many of you like to go out to lunch? How many of you like to go out to lunch? It's not a trick. I'm just, you know, I like to go out to lunch. Let me say, I'm not, I'm not raising my hand for nothing at that church. Um, some of you like to go out to lunch. And, and so what should you have for lunch? How do you decide what to have for lunch? So some of us even do this. As we go to lunch, we go to a restaurant, get the menu, we open it up, and we mumble to ourselves, hmm, what do I want today? What do I want today? And then we look at the pictures and we think, oh, I really like this. I don't know. Um, that's how we make those decisions. What do I want today? What sounds good to me today? I want to tell you, what should you have to eat today? I'm asking you a question. What should you order today? I know this is a trick question. I, I don't want to answer. It depends. It depends. Should you have mac and cheese with tater tots? It depends. It depends. Who are you eating with? If you're sharing a meal with your grandchildren, maybe you should have mac and cheese and tater tots. And maybe even a shake after that, you know? Some of you are thinking right now, oh, well, that's not very good for me. It's not. It's not about you. It's not about you. Some of you, some of you get around and, and your grandkids come around and you have all this nasty food, nasty food, and you try to convince them that it's good. Here, kale chips, you'll love them. 
I'm pretty sure goats look the other way on kale. Like they look at it. I'm not eating that. Um, Do you you understand? What should you have for lunch today? Uh, Some of you, you go out to lunch and you're like, so what are you going to have to eat? And you say, oh, and you're skinny and fit and all that stuff. And it's kind of a struggle sometimes for us to eat lunch with you. But you say, what, 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 oh, you know what? I'm going to have, I'm going to have the double bacon, onion, mushroom, double cheese burger with a huge set of fries. And then, and then you're, you're eating it. And, and the person you're eating with is on a diet and they're eating a pile of lettuce. And you're going, oh, this is so amazing right now. Maybe for some of you, uh, you're willing to to do that. Like you don't care about the other person. You're just saying, I'm just gonna have what I it's just what I want. Maybe for some of you, you say, well, you go out to lunch with someone. Maybe it's your neighbor or coworker, and uh, they don't eat meat. They don't eat meat. They they hate it. They they have all kinds of phobias and fears about it. Um, and you say, well, I don't care what you do. I'm having a burger. And I'm going to look you in the eye while I'm eating it going, I'm going to save you through this meat right here. You know, I'm going to think about that. Well, what should you eat? Sometimes you should eat a salad because somebody's eating a salad. Sometimes you should eat a burger because somebody else is eating a burger. Some some of the times we say, well, uh, I don't really like you know, I don't really like that kind of food or this kind of food or that kind of food. Well, the question is, who matters most? And for Timothy, he said this. He says, it's not about my agenda. It's about the agenda of Christ and what I can be about and what he's doing. Let me, uh, that was somewhat of a funny example, and I don't want to ruin your lunch uh, by telling you these things, but I do, I do want us to think about it. What should you do today? What should you do today? Most of the time, we do whatever we want. And we filter those things with whatever makes me look good. Or my family. What makes my family look good. It's part of the goals that we would be awesome. We're kind of collecting that. We're collecting accomplishments and uh, this and that. And when... Think about the phone. Think about your phone. Most of you have these cool phones that can do all kinds of things. And the the greatest thing that they do is they tell you who's calling. Isn't that great? Some of you have never lived in a world where you didn't know who was calling. It It was a lot better of a day. You were super excited when people call, and then you were disappointed when you heard their voice, right? Um, But now you look at it, and you say, I'm not picking that up. I'm not talking to them, you know. I'll get to that later, and like later in life is what I'm talking about, okay? Um, we, we, we see that, and the idea there is this, is you're asking the question, uh, do I have time for them? Do I, do I care about them? Do, do I, can I do this right now? Um, as we look at our lives, uh, we can't do everything. We can't do everything, Right? And Timothy couldn't do everything. When he went to Philippi and when he went to Ephesus and when he was a pastor there, he couldn't be at different places at different times. And so he had to ask the question 
can I go? Can I be? Can I do? A lot of times we say, I, I can't make it. And what we're really saying is, I won't make it. I won't make it. Because I'm doing things for me right now. And I'm not going to set those aside for you. I want you to get a picture right now of Timothy wasn't giving his leftovers to the Lord. He was giving his all. And that made him go to Philippi and Ephesus and other places and do this and do that. Um, And it cost him. It cost him. Some of us, we... uh, we feel like God wants us to be a part of things, but we say, oh, I can't, I'm busy that weekend. Maybe you shouldn't be. Maybe you should cancel those plans so that you can be a part of it. Um, maybe you say, well, I have to work late that day. Maybe you should go home early. Maybe you should go home early. Sometimes we say, you know, well, that's during Monday night football. That's during Monday night football. And I haven't missed a Monday night football game in 18 years I want to tell you if that's true of you it's time to miss so you'll never say that again God might be calling you to something more important he might say I want you to be involved in something different you say oh great that's the picture of Timothy it's interesting Caleb and I were talking uh, about reaching young men and I'm always excited about reaching young men and just the, the, the critical nature and like see some of the stragglers we have here, including my own kids and like remembering what it was like to be a young man and going, oh man, that's a terrible time. So anyways, I, I think I, I was talking to Caleb and I was saying, you know, hey, we should, we should do this, that and the other thing, a young man. And he's like, yeah, that's a great idea. And I said, when would be a good time to get those young men together? And he said, I think like eight or nine o'clock at night. And my immediate response was, oh, no, oh, no, like, like, I don't have complete thoughts after nine o'clock at night. And that's pretty close to my bedtime. And like, you know, I, I, that, that's not my prime time. And, and, and his point was this, it's not my prime time. It's not about me having prime time. If we're trying to reach and encourage others. It should be for them. For them. Sometimes we say it's too early or too late. Um, And and sometimes the way we respond to the Lord is, uh, God, I'll serve you. I'll be a part of great things. I'll, I'll go do this or I'll go do that. I'll minister to people. If you could fit it into my schedule. And I want to tell you, God doesn't care anything about your schedule. It's his agenda, his agenda that he wants to reach the world. He wants to uh, establish his church. That's what he's doing. He's building his church. I want to say this too. It'll be for people. It'll be for people. Uh, It'll always be for people. The, The reason you should drop what you're doing, rearrange your schedule is for people. It's for people. So the people that God wants you to encourage to be a part of his church and those people who don't know him that you want to share the gospel with, that he's calling you to. This is what he wants you to do. Let me go through the rest of my list. These are short. Uh, 
he shows his faithfulness. Uh, Timothy is a faithful man. Uh, over time, this is what happens. Verse 22, but, but you know Timothy's proven worth. You know uh, what showed Timothy the man that he was? It was years. It was years. It was times over and over again. S- sometimes we think that we, we want to do great things for God. D- don't ever think that God wants you to great, do great things. Be faithful to him to do what he's got you to do today and then tomorrow and then tomorrow and then tomorrow. Um, a lot of times we talk about uh, our lives, especially the older we get, and we say, I did this great thing for God. And you say, oh yeah, when? I was 14. Hasn't there been anything between 14 and 50? You know, this isn't about highlight experiences. Uh, Timothy was shown a, a man of proven worth over time, over time, over mundane things and many little conversations and things that he was a part of. You go on and it says he's proven his proven worth. And it says this, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Uh, It was a family relationship. I want to tell you that within the church, we're not a business. If we are, we're a horrible business, by the way. Wasting all kinds of money. You know, the product, we're we're looking for it. Where's the product? You know, hey, there it is again. Um, we, We are not a business. We are a family. And the family partnership is, is sweet. And as Paul looked upon Timothy, he didn't say, he's just one of my worker bees. He's a pawn in my, uh, you know, in my organization here. He says, no, like a father and a son relationship. I trust that guy. He goes on to say, what, what is it that unites them together? What brings this family relationship? It's a gospel partnership. You know what? Uh, there's nothing greater there's nothing greater on the face of this earth than the gospel relationship. There's no greater purpose that you can have that, that can unite us together to bring us together in that family relationship, working together. Why? Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been saved by it, and now we get to be a part of the sharing with it to an onlooking world that needs him. And then lastly, um, as you look at this passage, um, Paul and Timothy, Paul, Paul's mostly sharing this, but, but get this. He says, I hope therefore uh, to send him just as soon as I see uh, how it will go with me. And I trust the Lord in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. That passage reminds me of many other passages by Paul, but also a uh, passage in the book of James where it says, uh, if the Lord should will, if the Lord should will, I'll go into this city and do that. And do, we should always say if the Lord should will, because you know what Paul was doing? He was going, okay, so I'm in Rome. Uh, they're in Philippi. We need to send someone. I, somebody needs to go. I guess Timothy will go. He, he should go, and I, I hope that he will go. And, and then, But I hope that I'll get to go too. And he didn't know any of it. He didn't know any of it. He didn't say, I am going to send Timothy. I am going to go. There was this whole idea of God has a plan and we are doing our best to work through it with him. And that we may not know. Uh, We may not get to go where we want to go. We may not, uh, we think this is the Lord's plan, but it may not be. He may uh, detour us, if you will, put us in a different place. 
but there's a plan of God. This morning, I want to end up uh, with three things, three things to tell yourself with. You talk to yourself, right? I want to make sure you have something good to tell yourself, okay? Uh, some of our, 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 our personal talk to ourselves isn't all that good and all that profitable. I want to give you three things that are good, three, three things that are helpful in your relationship with the Lord. Um, first one is this, to tell yourself that selfishness and the plan of God will never work together. Never work together. When you see your selfishness, you can say confidently, this isn't the work or the will of God, and this and working for the Lord will not work together. Your selfishness and the work of God won't, won't come together. It won't, won't be helpful uh, as you seek to serve Him. Second thing to tell yourself is to say this, I am a servant of God. I am a servant of God. As, as you think about this, um, it's a whole thing with the hammer showing up on the, the work site, right? Is to say, you know, I, I'm a really skilled worker. I got my own plans. I got my own things. And, and instead, to see yourself, your, your whole life, I am a servant of God. If you can picture your phone again, and on your screen it comes up and it just says God. It's calling. How exciting would that be? How exciting would that be? You'd be fumbling to, to push that green button so that you would hear what he has to say. And if he said, come, you'd say, where? Go. I'm ready. I, I, I'm excited. Why? Because you're a servant of God. You love him and, and you care for him. By the way, God's never going to come to you like that. You know what he's going to do? He's going to share opportunities with you of people around you. Maybe other people calling. It won't be, they're not God, but it's God sending you people to help, to be a part of their lives. And, and this idea that God would take your plans, if they be for today or tomorrow, this weekend, the future, whatever, and he'd say, no, I got something better. You'd go, yes, exciting. God has a better idea than me. And I want to, because, and because I'm a servant, I get excited to follow him. Lastly, the, the third thing that I, I want you to encourage you to tell to yourself, to say, if God calls, I'll be there. If God calls, I'll be there. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's to Barstow. Doesn't matter if it's to, you know, wherever, to your neighbor, to your kids, to your grandkids. You think that's what God's calling you to? He's working and He's working in their lives. You go, you go. Because you, and you say, well, what if it costs too much? What if my health isn't good? What if I have to eat mac and cheese? And like, just go, just go. And trust that God will sort out those things and He'll provide for you abundantly. As you see yourself as a servant, as you see yourself as part of his work, establishing his church, fitting people for heaven that they might be ready. God, thank you uh, for this time. And I do ask that you would use this, that we might uh, be stirred in our hearts, that we might serve you more faithfully and trust you more 
uh, depend on you more, know you more. God, thank you for this time. Continue to do your work in your church, we pray. In Jesus' name.